A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody. Our next guest uh, on the podcast was Philip Ryan, who is an Irishman living in Vancouver, and he uses electroconvulsive therapy in his treatment for depression. Good podcast. Yeah, a fantastic podcast, a very interesting character, you know, um, and it's definitely another method for people to understand around um, ways to get through depression, particularly what really stood out for me was electroshock therapy. Because I remember watching films where you'd have people inside in asylums and they'd be getting these uh, shock shock treatment on the top of their heads. And, and that was my understanding of it. But after listening to him, I have a completely different perspective on it and how, how it benefits himself and other people. So yeah. it's a fa fascinating uh, podcast and um, it will interest a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's more humane than you would imagine. And it's benefiting him. Some of the side effects then would be uh, it helps with the depression along with the medication. But then the memory is affected. So he was backpacking throughout Asia and he can't remember it. Mm. So weighs up the pros and cons said it's worth it. So um, if you're interested in any of that, be sure to watch the video. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. It won't cost you a penny, but it helps us in a, a lot of ways. And if you can afford it, you can support us on Patreon to help cover the rent and the production costs. And uh, enjoy the video. Take care. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. I am your host, James. I'm not joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. This is a remote podcast, and we're uh, zooming in Philip from Vancouver, or Philip from Kilkenny, but living in Vancouver. And uh, Philip is a fan of the podcast. He listened to the podcast, and he got in touch with us there a while back. We've been back and forth with email for a while and uh, finally get to sit with him here if he's on a uh, story of overcoming um, some difficulties. But before we get into it, Philip, first of all, thanks for joining us. It's six o'clock on a Saturday evening here. What time is it where you are? Uh, ten o'clock, ten or five. Well, where's the weather? Ah, uh, shit. Wet. <laughs> uh, like, it's pretty much like the same here, are you, Philip? Yeah, just like home. Yeah, different time zones, same weather. Yeah. <laughs> But come here, how did you end up in uh, Vancouver? What, what was like in Kilkenny? Uh, basically, like I finished when I finished college was my was my goal to join the guards. That was my um my plan, and uh, was that's about fifteen years ago now. And there's a real bad recession at the time, and there's no jobs, so I was kind of working in some jobs I didn't like at the time. And a friend of mine, Rob, was like. I worked with it was like, oh, I'm planning on going to Vancouver. 
and I was like, oh, I heard Vancouver's good. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you for a year. So I went over for a year, and then 10 years later, I'm still here. Very good, very good. Yeah. What age are yeah? you? Uh, 35 now. Yeah, 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 I'm 37. So, I'm Quantum. So, um, you're full from big, you're a big Cats fan, anyway, Philip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, half so, growing up in Ireland, that's all there was. Growing up yeah. in Kilkenny, that's all there was, was Ireland. I've, I've been up, I've been up to Kilkenny for a few weekends, and they've been mad sessions now when I was drinking. What was it like growing up in Kilkenny? How was it growing up for you? And, and, uh, and just give us a little bit of context of uh, your your situations growing up in school and stuff like that, please, boy. Uh, I suppose I, the reason I got on the podcast in the first place was I reached out to you just to say that I was a big fan and it just had me all battles with uh, depression for the last, say, 20 years. And uh, uh, growing up in Kenya was great. Like, I had... My my father was a butcher and my mother was a stay-at-home mom and had a have a brother and sister and both of them were fantastic and are are fantastic. But um yeah, growing up in growing up in Kenny, I just used to hurl it off uh, as a young lad. And uh, but uh, in school then I kind of I found that when I went to secondary school then that I didn't really kind of fit in much. Yeah. Um. And that's when, like, the feelings of, like, worthlessness and depression started to creep in a bit, like. What age were you then, Philip? Uh, it started to get bad when I was around 13, 14. It started to get bad. And uh, around that time, then, my mother and father started noticing, and they started to get me, get me help first, like, going to doctors and stuff. And I think I started on medication when I was 14, 15. But um, mm. also at that time then, like uh, I started self harming a bit as well, like which was which which, which wasn't good because just the only way I knew how to cope. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really talking to anyone about it. Uh, I was ashamed. I'm ashamed and still am ashamed of it. Like, um, like let me tell you something. Growing up, I used to self harm as well. You know. And it was just a form of escapage for me back then, get away from reality. And I got a, a sense of escape um, every time I'd done it, you know. And if even if somebody noticed it, then it was like I was getting attention then as well at the same time. I don't know, was that anything to do with it? But I just got this really good s- s- bit of release from it. So I can definitely relate to you. You know, especially if you're you're depressed, and it would have been around the same age as well as yourself. Yeah, and uh, I remember kind of reading and watching interviews, and lately, and they're saying that like self harm actually like protected a lot of people from suicide because it was like mm. an outlet for all the all the like all the pain and suffering which they didn't didn't have otherwise. I don't know how true that is now, but um. But yeah, it's, like, it's, it is it is a type of a coping skill, uh, not the healthiest coping skill, but it's better than no coping skill. You know, you have something that relieves the stress or the pain in some way. It's harmful in another way, but it is a type of a coping skill, like a drug is or an eating disorder or, or self harm. It is something that people look to to distract themselves. You know, if, if you get the physical manifestation of pain, it takes you away from the emotional pain because the focus is on the cut or whatever. You know. Yeah, 
so that was like setting the school was serious hard and I, I ended up being hospitalized for the first time when I was uh, 17 because I was uh, like pretty suicidal and um, I was like planning on like like hanging myself to be honest and like that was I didn't go through with it but like my mother found out anyway kind of and like end up being hospitalized for I think about two weeks I think in Kilkenny Psychiatric Hospital and uh, that was that was tough enough especially as, as a young lad as well like you see a very lot of very ill people in the mm. in the hospital too but uh, I got through it anyway and did the did the leaving first and then something amazing happened I went to college and I fucking down to Washford and I had a great time down there and I just like fit in. I found my group. I just had a just had a wonderful four years there. And another great thing happened as well. I um growing up, like all there was to do was was hurling, or or football or soccer, and I wasn't really that passionate about it. But um, when I went to college and afterwards, I, I found boxing and I fell in love with it, and that was my outlet as well. Mm. Like was just the endorphins and the sense of accomplishment that really, that really helped. Uh, so college was, was great. Um, although I did end up going back to hospital once in my fourth year of college again, I relapsed, but, um, I got through it and, uh, yeah, like I, uh, I eventually moved to Vancouver then because it was my plan to join the guards, but, uh, just with the recession, I said I'd, I'd go over and join the cops over in Vancouver. That was my plan. Do you know? Do, do you know? Whilst you were in college, was were you on medication to to help you with depression? Oh yeah, I've been on medication every day since I've been fourteen, fifteen. They reckon it's um that helps. It it helps you. I think so because when I when I don't take it, I notice like after a few days, my mood dips a lot. Like because they reckon my depression is all biological because um I have no that I can think of I have no traumas in my life I come from a very privileged uh up, upbringing like my mother and father were wonderful like they gave me like the best possible life so I think most of it is biological yeah, yeah. Mm. and so what was it like over what was it like in Vancouver was it was it a big change for our like, did, did you get a few years out of Vancouver when you were okay, or was it difficult from the get-go? Uh, I got about five solid years in Vancouver where I was okay, just on tablets. And uh, when I first landed in Vancouver, I saw the Vancouver police car drive by, and I said to, said to myself, that I'm going to be a cop someday. So that's what I, I worked on for the next five years, was like getting my my citizenship and like doing all the volunteer work and and stuff to prepare me for the police and I so I did the um I did the past the entrance exams and I did a good interview and stuff but it came up in the interview that I was in hospital a few times and they basically told me not going to happen never going to happen um because they couldn't chance a relapse uh mm happening while I was on the job so I was disappointed so I said alright whatever so I flew to Tor Toronto and I applied to Toronto police and I did an interview with them did a good interview but um, 
I didn't tell him at all about me, me depression. I kind of kept it a secret, but uh, police being police did a, a background check and they, they, they found out that they removed me from the, the, uh, the competition, the, the recruitment selection. So then I flew to Ottawa and I fly to Ottawa police. So you can see a trend here. I'm too, I'm too stupid to know, <laughs> to know when time. Know what you're determined, pal. Fair play. Yeah. yeah, I give it to for determination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ultimately, they didn't work out either. And after that, then I just, um, my mood started to deteriorate a lot. Um, like it was dreadful. Um, I stopped like eating, and I stopped. Uh, all I did was just go to work uh, and uh, start considering a suicide again, pretty bad. Um, I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, because I was feeling so bad. I, I broke up with her. And uh, mm. then one day after work, I, uh, I went to Home Depot, like it was a hardware store. And I, I bought a rope and like, I was like, I know what I'm going to do with this now. I told no one and I started planning out like everything, like wrote up notes to say goodbye. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the only thing that stopped me, I guess, was I couldn't find somewhere to do it. Cause I was, I was mindful of, uh, I just didn't want someone to find the body and ruin their lives like because mm. in my own mind like my it'd be hard on my mother and father and my friends but they'd get over it because I'm no big loss but um yeah but something happened to me then in the planning where I said um something came to me it was like do I actually want to die or do I want the pain to end and I was kind of coherent enough then to realize I just wanted the pain to end so I rang rang my uh my my wife and told her like how bad I was feeling and I checked I went down to the emergency room down in Vancouver and checked myself in to the hospital so they put me in a they locked me in put me in a lockdown psychiatric ward for I think I was there for a few weeks anyway uh, that was hard now. You, I saw some very sick people there with like like varying degrees of mental illness. Um, and then around, just having a meeting with the doctor, they're they're saying that like the medication wasn't working. I was on a lot of medication, up to five or six types of medication, and none of them were offering any relief. Um, so they they're like oh, the recommended that there's this pretty new thing called uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. And they explain what it was where they basically sedate you, put you to sleep and send a small current into your brain, which which causes a seizure. Your body goes into seizure and then it kind of basically resets the chemicals in your brain. And it had like a, an 85% success rate or something. For, for depressed patients, like very high. So I, at that time, I just wanted like the pain to end. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. So 
for I think for a month. I went went there three times a three times a week, every week for four weeks for for up to twelve sessions, and then I've been doing that. Then after that, then they put you on a like a a maintenance course every three or four weeks, and I've been doing that then for the past three years, three or four years. And how is it working out for you? Uh, it's grand. Uh, memory loss is still one of the bad side effects of it. Like, to give you some context, a few years ago I went backpacking in, in Asia for three months. But I don't remember any of it at all. I just look at photos and I don't have any memory of it. Because it was after that trip that I came back and I kind of went to the hospital and had the ECT. So, like, it kind of erased a lot of memories. So, it's, uh, yeah, that's one of the side effects. But I think it works. Um, it How's doesn't cure it completely. How's your mood? At the moment, it's it's up and down. Like, the biggest part of it is a lot of people, when they think of depression, they think of sadness, they think that you're sad. But for me, it's like, I just don't want to do anything. I just have no interest in, in living. I don't want to, like, get up in the morning. I don't want to eat. I don't want to, like, every task, like, taking out the rubbish or, I don't know, going to the gym feels, like, monumental. And just, mm. just, that, just that procrastination. Then, like, I go back to the doctors and try and tell them how I feel. And they're like, well, we can send you for more ECT. And I'm kind of like... ECT is, is great, but it's it's ruined. It's kind of giving me a lot of memory loss at the moment. And then it's like, it's hard to keep down a job as well when you're doing all those doses every week, you know? What's it like after one of the ECT sessions? Like, what way are you for the rest of the days? Does it take a lot over your physically? Do you have to go to bed or? Yeah, good question. Uh, it'd be real... Uh, disorientated after it like especially after being under sedated uh, physically you feel exhausted like you're after doing like a good gym session or something so that's one of the positives of it I suppose getting a good workout in mm-hmm. but uh, yeah they have to the hospital the healthcare is very good here the hospital actually drives me home and driving back to my apartment uh, so what yeah. is what 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 does what does a session is EC, of ECG detail like? What do you do? You go to hospital. Do you get strapped to a bed? Do they put yeah. them on your head, or how does it actually work? Oh yeah, good question. Uh, so, like every at the moment was every month I was going up to the the hospital hospital and their uh, first thing to do is to give me a, an a, an ID. And then they, uh, uh, I just want to say the staff are all amazing. Like the staff are great because every time you go into it, like you're kind of afraid, you're mm. you're anxious, and the staff are so comforting and amazing. Like the nurses are are brilliant. Um, yeah, they so they give you an IV, you put you down on the bed, they wheel you into the operating room, they don't strap you down. But there's behind your head, there's this thing that looks like a car battery. And they put electrodes on your head for the current 
and then they put like uh, stuff on your heart as well around your, your chest to measure your heartbeat and stuff and then uh, they they put you off to sleep and it's over and about the whole thing takes about 15 minutes uh, and you, you wake up then about half an hour 40 minutes later like just really disorientated What's the actual theory behind it? What does what does this ECG do? What does it actually do? How does it actually work chemically? It uh, it's like if you have a laptop and it freezes, and it's not working right. You you reboot it, restart it, and the program runs a lot more smoothly. That's the same for ECT. Then they believe like the. By sending a current into the brain, it almost like reboots the brain and resets the <coughs> serotonin and dopamine dopamine levels in your head and getting back to a healthy uh, a healthy level. I guess like that's why it's if you have some like say traumatic traumatic thing in the past that you're not confronting and that's mm-hmm. hanging over you, ECT is not going to is not going to help. But like if if yours is like more biological, like mine was or is currently, then ECT can help a good bit, yeah. I remember back in the day, I used to uh, I used to get fits. You know when I was taking lots of benzodiazepines. Um, if I was on a binge with the tablets, and then I'd be a few a, a day without them, then you can go into fits, you know, or seizures. But I remember coming around from the seizures, and you would be exhausted. Like completely fatigued, very oriented, disorientated, and uh, I can imagine what that's like on a on a regular basis must t- must be very taxing on your body and your head. But I suppose you're weighing up the pros and cons to it, and at the moment, the pros outweigh the cons, would it? I think so. Yeah, it was just hard. <coughs> Excuse me. When you're doing it three times a week, it's very taxing on your body. Mm. But like I was doing it once every three or four weeks now as a maintenance dose. Yeah. And it's more manageable, yeah. Do you know fr- from all the medication that you've used in the past, does the EC is it better than the medication? Does it does it make you feel better? I think so. Uh and it works like medication takes time to take effect. Like yeah. it would take a few weeks for for medication to really reap the full benefits. But with ECT you can do it in a like like two weeks, you can see some real benefits of it like. Um and it it's not just to use it for like not just depression, they use I, I see they use it for people with a psychosis as well and, and schizophrenia as well. It's supposed to have real high success rates as well. Mm. Do you know when when somebody hears that somebody's getting electroshock therapy? You know, it, it's like your your brain automatically goes back to the the fifties and forties and sixties yeah. when when people are inside the psychiatric wards and and they're lying down on the bed and they have these things up on top of their head and they're they're like that. You know, that's people's understanding of it. But from what you're saying here, it sounds like it's it's actually really genuinely helping people's lives. Uh, it is, yeah, and it's real. That's where I'm looking for. As comfortable as it can be, like mm. the, only, the only difficult part has been sedated, like been put under. Like the hardest part of it is getting the IV put in, like 
the external IV put in, like because the treatment itself is you're asleep for it, so you don't remember any of it. Mm. Like the memory loss is hard though, but I get a great use out of my Netflix account because I can't remember anything I watched. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that's good. And how's how's your relationship? You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You said you're married there. Is, like, how's your relationship? And, uh, like, is, is it difficult to maintain a relationship? Like, let's say, you know, if your wife wants to go for dinner or she wants to do this and that, and you're, you really have to push yourself to try and make it work? Uh... My wife is great. She's real understanding. She kind of, she she kind of reads my mood. I don't really, I'm kind of, I'm kind of person. I don't talk about how I'm feeling at all. It's still one of just my negative things about me is I don't talk about how I'm feeling. I keep it to myself, but she can read it. And sometimes she'll make me, she'll actually make me go for a walk or like go for a coffee with her, or just get out of the house and get some fresh air. And I always feel better after it. Yeah. Uh, my wife is like, like my parents, like they're like my rock. It's, yeah. it's the reason I, I, I keep going, I guess. And uh, She sounds like an amazing woman, Philip. Uh, she's very patient and she was a, 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 a primary school teacher as well. So she's used to dealing with kids. So I, she's just <laughs> no problem to deal with me. And we, we is she an Irish a, woman or a Canadian woman, Philip? Uh, she's from Toronto, would you believe me? Oh, nice one. Yeah. She's, uh, my neighbours like to joke that I had to emigrate to find a woman. <laughs> like, yeah, but, <laughs> but I found a good one, says I. Yeah, yeah, does not happen that. And have you any kids? One on the way in a... Nice like, one. First one, right. yeah. Yes, so, yeah. Nice one, pal. Nervous about that now because like living with depression as well, like... I just want to be the best father I can be. Do you know uh, what, Philip? From looking at you and seeing how humble you are and how much you want to really be well, 
you will be a good father. You know, you have that real sense of 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 gentleness and calmness over you, you know, and you will be a good father. You know, I've I've often like I remember when 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 I came out of prison, I questioned myself whether I was going to how to be a father because I I would have grown up you know, not really having a male influence in the, in my house a lot of the time. And I suppose when it came to it, I just realized that it's just about doing the right thing, you know, and, and, and that's it. And like, you're going to make a fantastic father by it. And, and trust me in that. Yeah, it might be, it might be a blessing. Like it might be the best thing to happen. Yeah. Because it might just give you a, like, oh my God. Look what I'm after creating, you know, like something to live for, something to put a bit of a prep in your step, you know? Yeah, like I have a, one thing about the healthcare over in Canada is that I have a, a fantastic mental health team here that look after me and I have a case manager. And I remember the case manager, Richard, said to me when I found out, when I was telling him that like I was pregnant, that no, it's not I was pregnant. <laughs> You were pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the ECT did, made me pregnant. But uh, he told me to, I told him I was going for the ultrasound, and he said, You get the ultrasound picture and you stick that on your fridge. And every day when you get up and you feel like you, you, you have nothing to live for or you just don't feel like you can do anything, you look at that picture and you get that to motivate you. So, like, that's what I do. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's great, boy. That's brilliant. Philip, yeah. that's and what else what what better thing to motivate you? And you know, when that picture, when that child is born, you'll take a picture of the child, right? And you'll put that picture on the fridge and you'll keep taking pictures of that child with yourself and your wife. And there's your reason to get up every morning and enjoy life. And you know, instead of looking at the negative, and I know, I know, it's 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 a tough thing to do when 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 you, you you don't feel like doing too much, but you know, when you look at those pictures, you've some very 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 good reasons by to be alive, you know. And it's it's gratitude. I've learned that when I was at my lowest point, I I looked at my life and I looked at the things that I did have, and it was very 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 difficult to look at the, the things that I did have. Outside of the way the, the way I was feeling, because I was depressed at the time, and you know what? In time, I started to you know what? I am absolutely blessed because I have a family, I have kids, I have a wife, you know, I have good people in my life, you know, and and that will happen, pal. Do you know what I mean? It it, it definitely will happen, and trust me in that. Yeah. Um. Do you know when you're doing? Do you know with the ECT? Do you still take your medication alongside it? Uh, religiously, yeah, you, you can't, you can't stop medication, and I, I tried uh, a few times to wean off it because I, I guess um, it makes me quite uh, lethargic and tired, so I was, I kind of wanted just to wean off the medication just to kind of have a better like quality of life. And my doctors, I have is fantastic; they're very accommodating, and we, we tried, but as soon as I kind of messed around with it, like my mood just dipped it off. Yeah, but. It's kind of like I'm tied to it at the moment, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned there about the health service being pretty good over where you are. Uh, have you got like health insurance or like like the health system in Ireland at the moment is under fierce pressure um, and mental health services especially. What's it like where you are? Um, health services is pretty much free. 
like I don't pay for any of the any of the services I get like at all it's all covered under the medical services plan and I think like 90% of my medication is all free as well which would be a fierce cost mm. and the health service is pretty good but um, at the moment like you hear Vancouver like down in East Hastings there's a lot of homeless people with um addictions and uh mental health problems and I don't think like the, the health services is equipped to to handle them. I think they're under pressure too. Mm. You mentioned there, uh, Vancouver. Is that that uh, place where um is that the place that Gabramat yeah, worked yes. years? Have you been to that area? No uh I've been to Vancouver Island if you if you if you based around there, yeah. I'd love to like try the ayahuasca. I think that would be very beneficial. I was actually looking yeah, I've, into I've it. I've tried ayahuasca myself a few times. Well, the big, what, what? The, the big, the big caveat there is um, they always advise against ayahuasca when you're taking SSRIs. Really? What's that, James? What's SSRIs? Antidepressant medication. Okay. You're not like you have to be very careful. There was one uh, guy. He was in uh, Peru. I think he was Canadian, actually. He was in Peru and he was taking the ayahuasca, but uh, he he got a he got a, a weird one on it, and he went in and he killed uh, one of the village elders in Peru, and the village the village slaughtered him. They they killed him there and then, but they they searched his hotel room. But he was on Prozac and stuff like that. But if you if you do your research on the ayahuasca and SSRIs, they don't recommend that at all. It can have it wouldn't be worth it, you know. The, the cons where 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 the pros in that sense, but do your research any. I don't take my word from it. That's just what I was reading about before. And how was your um, experience with it, Timmy? Right, um, my experience was was uh, very positive because, like, for years when I was like when I was early on in my recovery, I was really really depressed, um, because I was going through a lot, and it like from years and years of meditation. I worked with a psychologist, I worked with a psychotherapist. I I kind of had spoke about all my stuff at this period and I, I became comfortable in my own skin and I had tools to kind of manage that stuff as well on a day, daily basis. So by the time I done away ayahuasca, I was in a good place, you know. I, not that I was in a good place, I was in a place that I could manage all my stuff, you know, that was coming up for me. So, um... When when I was doing the session, the ayahuasca session, then I felt there was stuff came up that was really, really difficult to, to, to process. But I suppose I was able for it because of all the therapy that I'd done for the eight years beforehand and the meditation for eight years beforehand and, you know, all the understanding and all the personal development groups. So I was in a good place. And what James said there is very important as well, you know, and this is without getting anybody's hopes by 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 kind of diminishing your hopes. What he said is, is very important. It is is a big deal when, when somebody kind of goes to do ayahuasca and there's issues in the background, you know, and they're they're not they're not really in a, a great place. But that's not saying that you can't do it down the line. All we're saying really is maybe maybe have a chat to somebody and maybe look into it a little bit more and research research it around 
if if somebody has issues around their mental health first. But Jesus, like my experience, really helped me because it um I felt love for the first time in my life. I experienced something that I'd never experienced before, and I was able to go home then and be around my family and know know then what love was because I was feeling it. You know, I I felt it during the session, but I I'd never known what it was until I got home and I felt it in my family home when I was around my family, and then I said, "Whoa, this is love!" Like you know, um, because it it was just my experiences growing up were really difficult. But don't leave us look. Don't leave that kind of drop your hopes or anything like that. For yeah. Me, okay. It's just all we're saying here is is really really research it a little bit yeah. in depth. There's a lot of positive stuff, but you need to be ready for something like that. I've had a lot of people contact me through the podcast around ayahuasca, and I do I, I like I have to explain to them like you really need to be in a place where you're you're able to handle stuff before you go in and do this because this stuff like won't sugarcoat any information. It won't tell you the light stuff. It'll give you stuff full on. It'll tell you what you. You know, it's it can be right, can be it can be tough stuff to have to handle, and um, but if 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 someone's in the right place, Philip, it can really, really, really help them. And you, know? you need to do a lot of sessions of it. Do you reckon, or like, would one session help a lot? Like, I done I done two sessions of 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 uh, two to three nights each time, um, and. This first time I done it, I done three sessions. I had a powerful experience. It was a tough, tough experience. I won't yeah. lie, it was difficult. But my second experience was for three nights, but I only done two because after the second night, I felt I was ready to go home. It was more like a healing for me. It was like an energy healing. Um, and that was, I done it twice in three years, twice. Like I, I didn't feel the need. I don't feel the need to do it again. You know, it's not something that I need to go back and keep doing. It's just some, I don't feel the need to do it now. At the moment, it's all about meditation now again for me. It's about just focusing on meditation, mindfulness, and just using that in my daily life to become more aware and to be accepting of my day and what's going on in my day and everything around me. And, you know, and, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well. Me and James are flat out to the mat at the moment and... It's about managing that, but mm. you know, like I, I'm sure you've done mindfulness. We spoke before we came on here, and you spoke that you were doing a little bit of mindfulness, and it's it's very very beneficial, in in the sense that, say for example, you're really feeling low today. Okay, you wake up and you're fucking saying, Jesus Christ, this is going to be another fucking day. Of this Philip today, another day of just feeling low. No sense of of um of wanting anything. No sense of hope. Okay. Next, all of a sudden, you switch it on a flip. You turn around. You just say, "Okay, this is how I'm feeling today." Okay. This is how I'm feeling. I'm not. I'm going to go around. I am feeling low in my body. I don't feel right. You know. I up here and then upstairs. It's like there might be a lot of ruminating, a lot of chatter, negative talk in the head, and it's like. Okay, this is what's going on in my head. And I, I, I brought that acceptance into my life back then when I was really depressed, really depressed when I wanted to take my life every single day. 
you know, um, and I just, and I just, do you know what I done, Philip? I visualized myself being a healthy, healthy human being. And healthy for me was mentally, you know, physically I was in great, great shape, but my head was gone. You know, I had no hope. I felt like I was the, a bad, bad, bad person, you know. And um, I just kept visualising myself being a happy person, getting up every morning, loving life, loving my family, saying hi to everybody. And I just, it was the most difficult time of my life, even to try to do that, even to just visualise myself being happy was difficult. But it worked. It really, really, really worked. These visualisation meditations, and I felt it during the meditation. I was starting to feel happy. Because I was looking at myself and I was smiling in my head. You know, I, I walked around the place constantly sad and angry. But no, during the meditation, the first time it didn't work, for months it didn't work. Next all of a sudden I'd get a smile out of myself every once in a while. And then I, the smile started to be getting better. And next all of a sudden I'm walking around this place with a big smile on my face. Oh, how are we getting on? And, you know, and all this. And um, that's when I started to notice my daily life during my day. You know, in real life, in reality, not just in meditation, that I was starting to become more of an extrovert. I was saying hi to people. I wasn't anti-social anymore. I was chatting to people and I was giving people a bit of time and I was seeing the good in people instead of the bad in people and my life changed. So meditation is most definitely a great tool. But a lot of people have this voice in the head that says, Meditation's not for me. I can't do it. And you know what? It's it's just about sitting still for the first time for a minute or two. Do it the next day. Set an alarm on your clock that you're going to do it every single day. And it's about just sitting still and accepting whatever's going on for yourself at that moment in time in your life. Practice, no, Practice. And it's it's practice. Not, it's, it, you have to build it into your structure today forever. It has to be something like, I get up in the morning, what's the first thing I do? I put my legs out of the bed and I walk into the bathroom, I use the toilet and I brush my teeth. Meditation could be the next step after brushing the teeth. You can go down the stairs and do five minutes, ten minutes, and it's about accepting how you feel at that time in the morning. When you bring acceptance into your morning like that and how you're feeling, what you're doing is you're, you're bringing an awareness around into your reality in everyday life of the same acceptance. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what you're thinking. You bring yourself back to the breath, back to the breath, back to the breath. And you say, this is how I'm feeling. And this is how it is for me today. And that's it. It's about acceptance and surrendering into whatever's going on for you. Yeah. Do you know, you were, ta- you were inquiring about the ayahuasca, but I was looking there in Alberta, Canada, um, you can... Um, you can get um, psychedelics uh, for depression and mental illness through a physician. So that might be really? the way. That might be the way to go for you with the medication and uh, the the hospitalizations you have um, to go through it that way. And just be really careful about that. Do you know what I mean? Have a chat with your your key your key worker Frank. Is it that's uh, his name? Richard. Richard, uh, I would sit down and have a chat. He sounds like a good person who really cares for you. And your wife there seems sounds like fucking like my wife James's wife like the fucking angel that we that that we have here on earth to keep us going and 
and to keep us alive, you know, sit down and have a good chat with her, you know, don't, like, don't make that compulsive decision on your own back without yeah. chatting to anybody and just go with it because that won't work, you know, I've tried yeah. that and it doesn't work. Another, you know? another thing I find, I find that helps as well, or, or helps a lot is, is exercise is so important. Mm. Even even if even if it's like a ten minute walk, like just get those endorphins going. Like a, a run or go to the gym for half an hour, forty minutes, like really helps me like throughout the day. Uh, like would you not? That, would you not try and join a boxing club or something? Get back into yeah, it. Yeah, get back into it. Yeah, I fought over here for a few years, and then I kind of when I felt back into the pros of depression, I kind of fell out of it again. But mm. like, yeah, that'd be an idea to join a boxing club again, yeah. What's your life like today? What, what do, you work, do you work and what kind of hobbies have you got? Irish friends over there or what's it like? Yeah, big, big Irish group over here, yeah. At the weekend, I, I work uh, as a bouncer at one of the Irish bars downtown. So that's great for like just meeting people and all the people I work with and my manager are sound out as well. And, uh, I, I practice that because I'm actually very introverted, so I use that to kind of help me get a little bit more extroverted and kind of get out of me shell a bit. Yeah. Like, they're great, great people to work with. Um, I work at the moment in health and safety, and, uh, like, work is grand, kept busy over here. And then uh, I have a, in a nice apartment here by the beach in a, in a little place called Kitsilano, like I literally like a five minute walk from the beach from the ocean so I'm, I'm really lucky there and then I have a, a child on the way in July so that's going to be class as well yeah that's great that's great it's amazing right yeah it's amazing fair play to you like you know look at these pos- look at all the positives you have in your life look at all them like I there, I can see so many of them like I can see so many good people in your life that really care for you as well and that's just from chatting to you there for the last, what, 40, nearly 45 minutes. You know, but we also understand that it's a chemical imbalance within within, within your mind, you know, and we, we, we understand that. And what me and James do with this podcast, we talk about, we talk about everything that's there that can help people, you know, who are suffering from addiction, mental health issues and whatever else, you know, and, and this is just another avenue, yeah. you know, what you're speaking about here and, and it seems to be helping you in its own way. Yeah. Like, like to be honest, I was a bit uh, nervous about coming on the podcast because I, I normally don't talk about myself, but I remember saying to myself, it's like one person will listen to this podcast and get some help out of it. Be be worth, well worth doing because I know like you have such a high listenership. Like, yeah. So like, Hopefully, like, be able to help one or two people, like, that are suffering themselves and let them know that, like, they're not alone. And, like, just reach out and get help. Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. Is there anybody you want to say hi to, like, at home or in Vancouver, or anybody you want to give a shout out to? Uh, just want to say hi to me, my man, Dad, and my, my sister, Denise, and my brother, David, and my, my wife, Kaylee. Uh, I better not forget them, or I'll get in trouble. 
Yeah, especially <laughs> the wife. She's the one that'll be uh, you'll be meeting there in a few minutes. But maybe yeah. listen, we're, like we we'd love to come over to Canada one uh, one of the days. Go over to Vancouver. That that's where Gabamate um had his practice, and we had him on the podcast. And you know, um, if we can get in through customs with the criminal records, we we'll give you a shout when we get over. <laughs> yeah, please do. What do you know? What sex the child is? Uh, no, not yet. You don't, and right. okay, that's fair enough. Do you want to say hello to your child? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's a good one. Hello, baby. Say hello. <laughs> nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Listen, thanks a million, boy, for coming on and sharing your story, Russ. Yeah. You, know, you have an inspirational story, by and how you're how you're doing and how you're actually really trying to to live your life, considering the stuff that's going on for you, you know, and um. Hopefully there's someone else out there who's suffering the same way and you'll just have to give them an avenue to help them out as well. So fair play. I just want to say thanks, lads, for having me on. And I listen to your podcast a lot and it's just, just gives me such hope and such lips. Like just the people you have on are fantastic. And the two of you are class. And it's just like meeting two of my heroes that I look up to. So that's one of, one of the reasons I was so nervous as well, like meeting yeah. the two of you. So... Yeah, you did a great, you did a great job, Philip. Uh, thanks a million for your time. Um, twenty twenty three is going to be a good year for you and your family. So stay in yeah. touch and uh, mind yourself. Thanks, Philip. Cheers, buddy. God bless, bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.